welcome to the Pinstripe Valley Podcast, Positive Vibes Edition. Since we last recorded, the Yankees have gone seven and two. Oh wow, good baseball! Isn't that nice to see? What's I'm here. Good baseball. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here, Andrew Burns with Kunshaw. How is it going? Going well, I, I guess. Uh, I'm I'm scared. I don't remember this feeling. I feel like we haven't felt this since like sometime in 2019, maybe I guess 2020 as well. But yeah, they had like a, a, like a nine or ten game winning streak in there in 2020. But you know that was still a weird season to experience emotions, to say the least. Right, exactly. So like, yeah, they were still good in 2020, but like it was weird to feel good about anything in 2020. So <laughs> let's stick with 2019. It's like, oh, the Yankees are doing great. I'm still inside. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gone outside, but the Yankees are outside and winning. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, been some pretty good baseball. I mean, we. Obviously, our schedule has been a little bit different for recording versus last week, where we put our that episode out early in the week. This one's going to go up live on Thursday, so we have a little bit more than a week to recap. Yeah, I mean, it's been good, but it's also been very weird at the same time, which is pretty much on brand for the 2021 season. Mm-hmm. But overall, like you know, anytime you go seven and two, that's just going to be a good stretch of time in baseball land. So there's not much to complain about in that regard. Yeah, but we will find a way. Don't worry. There's still oh, 100%. There's still warts to Lance, as it were, <laughs> to make it just sound great. Yeah, I mean, just even starting off with that Kansas City series, which was like, I mean, we were talking about it in our uh, Pinstripe Valley Slack. I was just like the weirdest series ever. Like game one had four blown saves, but they still won it. Game two, there was like four errors. It was just sloppy and annoying. But then game three, which was a bullpen game, there were three errors and somehow it was the cleanest game in the series. And yeah. it was just like, oh, this is the only one we felt comfortable about. What the hell is going on? Yeah. And that first game in particular was just the game that would never end. The four blown saves all by pretty good relievers. And then it's like, who is going to end this game? And it turned out to be Wandy Peralta. And it's like, okay, sure. Partially because the Yankees built a big enough cushion in that last inning where it's like, okay, this time we'll see what you do. And the Royals still almost made it close. <laughs> yeah, just every time the Yankees are going into the bottom of an inning and then the bullpen blows it, the offense come up the top like, alright now, alright now. The final one that was like, alright, blow this lead, damn it. <laughs> but they pulled it out. Thank God, because that would have been excruciating to lose, even more so when they made the four errors to lose the one game at the Royal Series that they did actually drop. I'm going to throw a quick that that she said it in there because you said they pulled it out. Uh, and thank uh, God. Uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah, no, it would have been bad to lose two out of three or even three out of three to the Royals, which they very well could have done just because of how that series went. But hey, taking two out of three there is always good. So let's talk about more AL Central. Yeah. The White Sox. So the, the Yankees Sox. actually played, so it's relevant now. <laughs> yeah, um, and even with the annoying, annoying Field of Dreams game, that was a pretty good series against a great team. It was, and honestly, like, I don't know, I thought the Field of Dreams game was pretty cool, like, overall experience. Sure. Um, you know, seeing all of them walk out was uh, pretty, pretty cool to see that happening, and apparently now it's turning into a yearly event, which I think is going to be amusing if every year they just go and find new things to say about corn and like everyone just walks out yeah. <laughs> the cornfield like i feel like it's gonna lose its effect by 2022 i don't mind that they're doing like a yearly field of dreams game but 
I just hope the production's not as much as it was this year because that'd just be like, all right, we get it. They walked out of corn, guys. Well, on a real quick aside on the Field of Dreams game before we kind of talk about the actual game itself or the, the, White, the rest of the White Sox series, I don't think Kevin Costner brought a, a change of clothes to that whole however long he was there because I saw like tweets from him from like the day before, like two days before the game, and he was in his white shirt and khakis. And then the day of the game, he was in a white shirt and khakis. But Kevin Costner, do you have more clothes? just vibing okay you know he was just like <laughs> like i want to know if this is like one of those like cartoon situations where their closet just filled with the same exact wardrobe or he just has one pair of clothes yeah Kevin Costner, since you're listening please write in put it on the kind of comments of pinch right valley if you have multiple outfits or not yeah spoiler alert you can uh, get kunj the suite by tweeting at kevin Costner. yes <laughs> But no, no, I mean, yeah, obviously Zach Britton had the meltdown, but I think overall it was just a good game. Like, I wasn't even mad about that loss because it's one of those things where I think we've talked about it where it's two teams that are actually competing and going for it. So that's, it's like, fine, you, you it's okay to lose those games. You're losing to a team that's also good. Um, Zach Britton, who up until this year has been one of the best relievers in baseball and very re- reliable for the Yankees, he's obviously had a struggle to his 2021 season with the injury issues and all that, but it's kind of just like, all right, shit happens. At least they came back and rallied in the ninth with judges second home run of the game and Giancarlo's home run. That, that was so fun. Destroying baseball. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Oh, sorry. Should I say John Cornlow? Yes. John Cornlow as at Yankees tweeted. <laughs> hey, at Yankees. I said it before in the Slack. So yeah. screw you. It was my joke. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. It was a game that I didn't really expect them to have any business getting close again because Heaney had put them in such a hole with all those home runs, including one to the back of catcher, which is like, great, yeah. great. That was really what lost them that game. I know Tim Anderson homer against Zach Britton. Yeah. It wasn't a good pitch, but Tim Anderson is a really good baseball player. It sucks. And I felt like shit like for a little while after that, but Hey, they won the next two games. So it was fine. But the Heaney stuff, giving up homers to Sebi Zavala, I believe his name is, was quite the thing. Is that even a real person? I mean, that's what my TV screen said, so I I guess so. Okay, if you say so. (laughs) Yeah, Sebi. Mm -mm. Yeah, definitely the more frustrating part is, like, they don't have, like, a reliable pitcher. They didn't have a reliable pitcher to start that game. But, I mean, it's not just the fact that it was a Field of Dreams game. Basically, any game Andrew Heaney's starting, who... It's also starting tonight the night, uh, when we record. But any game that he's starting, you just kind of go into it like, all right, God, the offense is going to have to show up here because the pitching is not going to do it justice. Yeah, and ideally, like, maybe next week or the week after, we won't have to deal with too many more Heaney starts because he was really being used out of desperation because, you know, Cole and Montgomery were on the COVID IL. They're still waiting for more reinforcements. And now that Cole and Montgomery are back, once they'll get people on a more normal schedule, there's a chance that they'll get Kluber back soon, maybe Herman. There might not be a spot for Heaney to go, which is good because he should not really be starting and he's a terrible fit for this team, especially Yankee Stadium. So obviously we can't predict what exactly the Yankees will do but when you look at the rotation imagine like Montgomery Cole Tyone Heel I think even Cortez has put himself ahead of <laughs> Heaney at this point so absolutely or and that's not even getting into where Herman or Kluber would fit in so sorry yeah, exactly. Andrew. no yeah no they definitely have like five serviceable starters right now because like right now 
Nesta Cortez should not be bumped from the rotation for Andrew Heaney. Like you could probably put Andrew Heaney in the bullpen, let him come out or be your mop up guy or whatever. That's fine at this point, but you can't let him start every fifth day. And put him in the uh, the Brody Kerner corner, which is like because <laughs> Brody Kerner has not pitched since his debut on August third, but he's just hanging out there in long relief in case of emergency. Whatever that can be, Heaney's new job. Whatever. Yeah. I think I think they're getting it in better shape. Obviously, you mentioned Corey Kluber, hopefully on his way back. But getting uh, Garrett Cole and Jordan Montgomery back is obviously huge because they were probably the two most consistent starters on the team. But the most important and the most consistent, whatever, however you want to define that. But they're important guys to have. Yeah, and then you tack that on to uh, Tyone, who's continued to be just great, basically, since this terrible, yeah. terrible start in Philly at the beginning of June. So he's just in a good rhythm. And it was really cool to see him sort of grab the reins as like the de facto ace while Montgomery and uh, Cole were out because they needed to rely on someone in that stretch for innings. And Tyone really provided it. Yeah. And it's good, good to see because like now we're finally seeing why, like, you know, the Yankees traded for him. We saw that potential that he showed in Pittsburgh, obviously, before the injury set him back, and you know he had to miss that much amount of time. Like, and for all the complaining we did about Tyone, it was never because we thought he would just be bad or anything like that. We were just like we knew it would take time for him to kind of settle in before he kind of figured out what works for him, what doesn't work for him, and it was just relying solely on two pitchers like that in Kluber and Tyone. Fortunately, Tyone stayed healthy, but he just hasn't been good until recently. <laughs> but hey, we'll take it. Yeah, and maybe we'll get some Corey Kluber at some point. His rehab starts have not exactly been super encouraging, but whatever with a veteran like that, you just sort of assume that they're focusing in on specific things and not necessarily looking to get the best slash line. They're just trying to get, you know, their best pitches in order. So hopefully he'll get that resolved and rejoin the rotation and all will be well. But if the Severino situation has taught us anything, it's that we need to not count on these rehab appearances until they're actually on the field. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not reading too much into his starts just because like, I mean, he's missed since May. Yeah. So it's just like basically like spring training. All right, just get your arm strength up. That's all I ever kind of really care about right now. Right. But we'll get into injuries, I guess, in, uh, in a little bit more detail in our weekly COVID and injury list segment. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you're right. We should get back to the actual past week because, you know, after the good series against the White Sox, they took care of business against the Angels behind Garrett Cole. That was a very smooth, let's not deal with any annoying, you know, seven run ninth inning or anything like that. Right. Like the last series, they just won and it was like, okay, we're good. We're done. They get ready for the Boston series and they swept that double header. So got to feel good about these last couple of days. No, absolutely. And uh, sweeping the doubleheader obviously meant a lot just because, like, they have struggled facing Boston this whole year. I mean, the first series, they got, they were swept by them. Then that last, was it the was it the first series right after the All-Star break where they ended up dropping the three games or two games? And it was just, like, the most annoying, heartbreaking thing, however. But I guess you could describe yeah. that about almost any weekend up until the last, like, month or so of Yankees baseball this year. Yeah, that's actually the the one series that the Yankees have lost since uh, July 4th was that post-All-Star break series against the Red Sox. Oh, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. I misspoke. The one series that the Yankees lost against the Red Sox was the one in Boston. And that was, uh, like, a week after the All-Star break. Because right after the All-Star break was when they had the big COVID outbreak. And then they randomly won two out of three anyway. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. So, and then this game, the doubleheader, actually, it was making up the one game from the COVID cancellation, right? Yeah. 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 But, yeah, so the week after when they lost the three, uh, the series in Boston, it was just like, what the hell is going on here? And like, 
a series that they probably should have won, actually. Yeah. Um, so, but they've obviously struggled with Boston this whole season, which is just annoying in its of itself. It's Boston who's like, no matter how you feel about how annoying the Rays are, how much you hate the Astros right now, it's still the Red Sox who are the worst team in the world. And you, you want the Yankees to beat them every time out. Yeah. And then on top of that, taking two out of three for that from that doubleheader, put the Yankees in the playoff position for the first time since April. Yeah. Holy hell. Right. <laughs> and yeah. Because um, Oakland has fo- sort of fallen back to the pack a little bit as well. The Yankees are technically tied with Oakland right now. They have a head-to-head advantage. The season were to end today. Obviously, it's not. So it's kind of moot. But the fact that the A's have also fallen back a little bit, not as much as the Red Sox have, but enough to make the wild card mix very tight, very good thing for the Yankees, especially considering how well the Rays are playing. Yeah, definitely. Um, and obviously, there's still a lot of time left now bet- between now and the end of the season. Work the Yankees still need to do. I mean, I still don't feel com- great about them. Like, oh, yeah, they're 100% going to make the postseason. And exactly, I don't yeah. feel comfortable thinking like, oh, Boston's crash and burn is uh, they're just going to fully crash and burn because I could just see them using like a bad three-week stretch. as like, oh, my God, these scrappy underdogs rally, even yeah. though they, you know, whatever, nonsense, Boston bullshit. They're a cockroach. They're a cockroach. Right. You need to make sure that they're they're fully dead before you're comfortable. I will not be comfortable until we get to the point where the Red Sox are eliminated. Yes. Until the Baltimore Orioles have a better record than the Boston Red Sox, I will not rest. Oh, man. That did happen last year. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. And now Alex Cora is going to win like man of the year or some bullshit. But anyway, the Yankees hey, are hey, hey, don't take that title right from Tony Larissa <laughs> <laughs> or AJ Hinch. Watch them three be the finalists. Oh my no god, that would be. Uh... <laughs> and that would be the end of the manager of the year award. <laughs> it's like you know what? Never mind. <laughs> We're just not doing it this year. We are not going to give out this award because who cares? But. No, what was cool about the Boston doubleheader is obviously um, Garrett Cole made his return on uh, Monday against the Angels. Jordan Montgomery made his return against uh, the Red Sox. And, you know, he held his own as well, which, you know, he's always wanted to do. Like, I never feel like, oh, my God, Jordan Montgomery's going to start this game. What's going to happen? Like, I feel comfortable, like, he's going to keep the Yankees in the game. He very rarely has, like, just complete clunkers, which is kind of what you want out of a Jordan Montgomery starter in your rotation. Right. And then the best part about this rotation or the most fun and exciting part about this rotation right now has to be Luis Hill. This kid's just on a roll. <laughs> yeah. we. Ta- I mean, obviously we, he was the title of our podcast last week and that was the focus, but still he hung in there against a very tough lineup of the Red Sox. Obviously his secondary stuff was like not as sharp as you would like to see, but he still gutted it out there for four and two thirds innings scoreless. And they got the out to get out of the jam from with Juan Peralta and Hey, that's still a 0.00 ERA for Luis Hill. Just keep riding that wave, dude. Yeah, what is he like? The I think you know, saying something like he's the first pitcher in the modern era to have three scoreless starts and the pitch at least like 14 innings in that or something. I forget exactly what the thing was, but some cherry pick thing to say, yeah, it's good to pitch scoreless baseball, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's one of those like stats that only come up in baseball, like. Oh, Derek Jeter hits 500 in the seventh inning on Tuesdays after 6 p.m. Like, okay, that's a thing, I guess. <laughs> that's, that's why he got into the Hall of Fame, actually. They, they were focusing <laughs> in on that. <laughs> Regardless of whether or not he's making history or whatever, it's still just fun and exciting to see because he kind of came up out of nowhere. Like, I don't think anyone expected him to really have to come up at all this year, make any impact. And now it's just like you can just keep making that argument about, hey, this kid's got to stay in this rotation right now. <laughs> like, 
ride this wave. Yeah, if you're just... if you're literally not giving up runs, you're gonna stay in the rotation. And the craziest thing, this is I'm not sure if I'd like immediately picked up on this, but apparently he has not given up a single extra base hit even in these three starts, like not even a double, which, you know, people bloop doubles all the time, but he's just not allowing right. it. So there, I mean, there's a little bit of luck going into that too, but he's just pitching really well. You see him, how like he mowed over the Red Sox lot, especially in the fourth inning last night. Absolutely. And he's getting starts that like somebody else uh, would have gotten. Like, I think normally you'd probably expect like a Davey Garcia or whatever to take these starts, but he's been just farting but... all over triple A this year. <laughs> Yeah. So the, the less we talk about Debbie Garcia, the better. <laughs> Let's just focus on heel. Heel good. Keep him yes. in the rotation, guys. Yeah. He's the real heel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. I guess we also need to focus in on this note, which you have literally titled all caps Tyler Wade out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> tell me I'm wrong. I dare you to tell me I'm wrong. It's. What the hell, man? I mean, good time for him to run into a hot streak with uh, Glaber on the shelf, but it's been key. Even just like occasionally laying down good drag bunts to get on base and using his speed. It's 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 a, sometimes a bit of an overrated part of the game, but when he's actually playing well and getting on base, it's all the more essential. Yeah, like I think the speed factor, like stealing bases and all that, it's one of those things where like, I don't think it should be a focus or like, Oh my God, this offense is doing poorly because they're slow. Like, I don't think that's why the Yankees were not winning games or the offense was not, you know, doing well earlier in the season. It's not because they weren't stealing enough bases. It's just because they weren't hitting the ball in the air. Let's just be honest. But I think it's, uh, I think this speed is one thing where like, it's definitely overrated, but Hey, if you got it, use it. And that's what Tyler Wade's been doing. And you just haven't seen it before because he's literally never gotten on base before. Like he, this is the first time he's ever been on base. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the only time we'd seen him get in a hot stretch is I think once in late 2019. But other than that, it's been pretty bleak and, you know, good. He, he's got it. He had to step it up with, I should, you know, I mentioned Glaber, but Gio Urshela has been out and he had a setback last week. So his return was delayed as well. So that just means more time for Tyler Wade. Even Andrew Velasquez is obviously he's, hit even less than Wade, but he's gotten some timely hits too. He had a big hit in the uh, opening game at that doubleheader against the Red Sox. Yeah, no, like, I mean, I think was it 2019 was the whole next man up thing, and we just haven't really seen that in a while since then, and I think we're kind of starting to see that a little bit right now, which, like, I don't want to make this a a whole next man up thing, but when you see Gleyber Torres and Gio Urshela go down, and, like, as frustrating as Gleyber Torres' season has been, as, like, under the radar as Giro Rochella's season has been. I think that's a good way of describing it. I'm going to pat myself on the back for that one. But you see those two guys out of the lineup and you're like, oh God, we're going to have to see Andrew Velazquez come out of nowhere. And we're going to have to see Tyler Wade getting more at-bats, which is like a thing we've con- consistently complained about with Tyler Wade, with Brett Gardner. It's just like, I don't mind that they're around the team if they get used in the right way, like which is like very limited action. But this, But they end up seeing a lot more time than they deserve to. And it's not their fault necessarily. But you just don't look forward to, oh, God, we're going to have to see Tyler Wade starting every day for 10 to 20 days. But right now, he's been very good. And I don't want to go into too many details because, spoiler warning, he's earned an award this week. But it's been good. And I I don't think we'll ever talk this positively about Tyler Wade ever again. (laughs) Exactly. But he's welcome to prove me wrong. I'm open to that. Yeah, and Wade's been doing really well. But and. No, I mentioned Velasquez. I'm not, it's more just like me pointing out that he did have a couple hits. He's not like his OPS plus is one. 
So it's like, he's, let's, we'll, we're going to keep expectations low here. He's going to go right back to AAA once uh, w- even one of these guys comes back. So it's, it's, it's fine. He's, he's fun. He's made some good fielding plays, but Tyler Wade has been the real revelation. Yeah, out of nowhere. Yeah. One quick thing on uh, Velasquez before we spend way too much time talking about him, because I think we're already in the territory. Can we not refer to him as a kid? Yeah, the kid who is uh, 27. Kid. Come on, guys. He's <laughs> like, older than I Tyler Wade. I, I, I get it because it's just like an unknown. You, you think, oh, he's coming up from the minors. He must be like some prospect or something. Like, nope, he's just there. Yeah, you know, he's here. It's fine. All right. Yeah. Enough uh, Tyler Velasquez you know, to combine things. Exactly. <laughs> Enough Tyler Velasquez talk. We're just going to leave it at that. <laughs> so we should talk about um, the first base situation because Anthony Rizzo is going to come back off the COVID IL soon. And the Yankees are going to have to figure out a way to get both him and Voight in the lineup because Voight is hitting again. And he is understandably voiced to the media how he wants to play. And that's honestly, some people are saying like, oh, well, what's he talking about? But like, he's being a baseball player. He wants to play. He's a really good hitter. And he's not going to exactly be like, oh, yeah, just bench me. It's If you have to option me off the roster, it's fine. No, he's going to want to play. It's, it's okay. No, of course. I, I think Luke Voigt said all the right things that you can reasonably expect from him. Um, when When they traded for Anthony Rizzo, you and I talked about how just like, it's not really a knock against Luke Boyd, but just the way his season's gone, you can't really count on him. And they need something at first base. They need some sort of production out of there because they were getting none of it. So the trade, I think, was necessary. And I still think it's, it was a good move. Um, you know, obviously, we haven't seen a lot of Rizzo because he's been on the COVID list. But the little bit we've seen from him with the bat, obviously, has been solid, especially, you know, his first few games. But then, obviously, the defense is a huge, huge factor that, the one thing Rizzo is probably miles ahead of Luke Voigt on is just uh, as a gold glove first baseman. But, you know, it's not like Luke Voigt's out here complaining about Rizzo, complaining about the team. He's just saying like, yeah, obviously it's a frustrating thing, but I get it. And, you know, I get why they made the trade. I think he even specifically said like, you know, nothing against Rizzo. I get why they made the trade. I just want to play. And I feel like I'm one of the, um, I feel like I'm finally healthy. I feel like I'm a very good hitter. So I think I deserve my shot to play. Again, all fair. And he brought up a good point. He was obviously 2020 asterisk uh, caveat notwithstanding. He was last year's home run leader. So it's a fair for him to say like, yeah, no, I deserve to play. It's just right now is when finally the, the, you know, his actions are speaking as loud as or louder than his words in the sense that he's actually putting his bat where his mouth is and actually hitting the ball. So then it gives the Yankees a good problem to have. It's never a bad problem when you have too many players who are deserving of playing time. It's when you have like, oh, crap, how the hell am I going to fill this? Because this guy sucks and this guy sucks. Oh, and this guy just farts. What do we do here? I mean, John Carlos Stanton had a great idea, which is to put him in the field, which the Yankees have been doing, which would, which, let basically, <laughs> which would let Rizzo be the everyday first baseman, which you want, obviously, because, you know, we talked about the defense. And, and then you can let Luke Voigt DH. Hey, bro, just come hit. Do your thing. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure we'll probably end up in that alignment one of these days where, you know, you have Voigt, at DH Rizzo at first, and then an outfield of Judge Gallo and Stanton, which is not going to be the most mobile and center. And I get that that's not going to be the regular alignments. And I understand that. That's I totally get it. Defense is important. You'll probably want to have a day or two of Gardner out in center to, you know, get the fly balls that a judge or a Gallo might not necessarily get to in center. But occasionally it'll make sense to 
just get all these bats in the lineup, especially against the right kind of pitcher where you want to maybe take the little bit of sacrifice on defense to get the extra bat in there when they're all clicking. Yeah. And you know, the way the Yankees rest people and, you know, with, especially with their big guys, the, the way they rest them or whatever, I don't think finding playing time is going to be difficult. You could probably yeah. go where like in a seven game stretch where everyone plays like five or six of those games, no one's going to play the seven games and that's fine. And we talked about this before the season started where like the Yankees are built as a team where they don't need one person to play all 162. They, they should be able to withstand like, hey, this guy's going to miss some time. This guy's going to need a day off or whatever. It's just they were all underperforming before. And that's why it stung so much when like everyone collectively underperformed. And then some people miss time. It's like, oh, crap. Now what are they going to do? But like right now, everyone's kind of clicking. And so it might not be as bad. And you give Aaron Judge or John Carlos Stanton or or Joey Gallo or Luke Boyd or Anthony Rizzo a day off or Gary Sanchez a day off and you're fine. I think some people have been overthinking this because like the Dodgers have been making this work with quote too many players for their positions for like a couple of years now. And they've been doing it without the benefit of a DH. So occasionally that means sitting a big bat, but it doesn't matter because the lineup they're still putting out there is really good. So if the Dodgers can do it, I think the Yankees can do it too. I'm just going to just interrupt us really quickly to announce to everyone that apparently Anthony Rizzo is back tonight in the final game of the Yankees versus the Red Sox series. He's back batting second, playing first base, and Luke Voigt is on the bench. Good timing, team, while we were talking about this. Great. Another another bat in the lineup. Better defense at first. So, yeah, great. Shoot. Yeah, and I'm not going to read too much into Luke Voigt being on the bench on Rizzo's first day back. It's okay, guys. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to happen. Somebody's going to take some time off because like we said, like fun is like as probably optimal as the lineup of uh, Stanton Gallo judge or Stanton judge Gallo left to center, uh, left to right. However you want to align that is probably don't want to do that on a daily or regular basis, at least some, maybe in the playoffs. If you're thinking if you're if you're there, maybe think about that. But right now, I don't think you need to. So you're just going to give some guys a day here and there and then. Like I said, a lot of times these things have a way of solving themselves out. But for right now, I think they're fine. Yeah, they'll, they'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. So we should transition actually right to the any more injured list news that we haven't covered. Yeah, I think since we last joined, we did have another addition to the COVID party and that was Clay Holmes. I don't think he was on that list when we uh, recorded last week. No, I don't think so. I think it was, he it went on the IL basically same day that the podcast went up. So it was just like, right. oh, okay, well, yeah. guess we're uh, getting another reliever. Sorry, dude. <laughs> yeah, so somebody had to join that party, I guess, uh, this week. So the, to, this week's candidate was Clay Holmes. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, outside of that, I mean, we've talked about Cole coming back, Montgomery coming back. Oh, Gary Sanchez made his return against the Red Sox during the doubleheader as well. Gary back. Uh, we, we also just talked about Rizzo's back. He was working out with the team earlier in the week, so we knew his return was imminent, and now it's here. Corey Kluber, he's had two starts so far. They haven't been great. We've talked about that, but it's just about building up arm strength. I think the biggest, the most upsetting news is probably with uh, regards to, like, Severino and Clint Frazier. I mean, Severino having the setback and, <sighs> and still – he went to get a second opinion, and that was, like, two days ago now at this point. They still haven't said anything about it, which just – can't be good news now usually don't see a second opinion if it's like hey everything's great i wanted someone else to tell me how great this is <laughs> hey doctor look how clean my mri is isn't it awesome Come whoa look at man it. that's great <laughs> yeah and like just the fact that they haven't announced anything yet just kind of makes it a lot more daunting yeah ominous um, as hell 
Yeah, but there's that. Then Clint Frazier, he took himself out of the lineup. And at the point, you just forget about baseball. You just hope that he can kind of get himself back to normal in a healthy physical place just because you feel bad for him. You know, he finally flashed his potential. And then it's just like his body just doesn't agree with him, it seems like. Yeah, John had a good article today for us at Pinstripe Alley about just the the off-field aspect of Clint Frazier's injuries because, like, the saga of the past few months with him has been just really unfortunate because these aren't just normal on-field, oh, he, like, even if he, like, tore an ACL, it wouldn't be as bad as this because it's just so vague and mysterious and unclear what's going on. Like, he was being neurological specialist for basically a month that tried to get a handle on things came back for a few rehab games and something was still not right. So he's at this point, I don't expect to see him for the rest of the season. And it's, it's really a shame. Yeah. And you feel bad for him. Cause he's, you know, from, from everything you see, he seems like a good kid and you know, he just, he just wants to be out there playing baseball. Like you could tell he enjoys his baseball. He loves what he's doing and he just wants to be out there competing. And obviously he's a fierce competitor. And it just sucks to see that happen for him. Yeah. <sighs> and I, I should say that I also just don't expect to see Severino back this season at this point either. So. Yeah, no, at this point, no, because the first setback was because of his hip or whatever. You still had a little bit of hope, but then now he was getting into rehab games and then like he has a setback and then he goes to see a second opinion and it's just, we'll see. Again, yeah. it could just be that he wanted to celebrate his clean MRI and is just figuring out the best way to sh- announce it to the world, but I highly, highly doubt that. <laughs> Sadly. Sadly, probably not. <laughs> but I mean, I think as much as as fun as it would have been to see Severino back, I think his long term health is more important. I think just the way the rotation has performed recently, who's in it, I think you can kind of get away with just like if he needs to be shut down, let him shut down, let him just try and focus on 2022 if there isn't if even is a 2022 season. <laughs> but just yeah. focus on that, focus on getting himself healthy. That's the most important thing. Yeah, I guess in more imminent news, it seems like Chapman should probably be back by the end of the week because uh, they said on the 16th that he was doing well and was throwing a bullpen. As long as everything goes well, he'll probably be back soon. So, hey, as assuming he's over his yips and stuff like that, it's good to get another normal reliever back in there rather than having to risk seeing Nick Nelson at some point. Hey, I don't know about you, but I've been enjoying the Wandy Peralta, Albert Abreu coming out party of August. Hey, those have been fun. Have been, those have been fun. I'll give them that. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not slandering them. I'm just slandering Nick Nelson, even though he's only appeared in the one game. But, you know. <laughs> you know, he's, he's earned it. Yeah. He deserves, uh, dude. What do you, what do you outside of that, I mean, um, Glaber Torres had like an on-field workout before the uh, doubleheader Tuesday. Uh, Gio Rochella was starting to run. I think they said he was at like 80% or something like that. Yeah. Like he might be starting a rehab assignment at, towards the end of this week. Uh, so we'll see. Yeah. Um, until then, uh, Tyler Wade season is full force. <laughs> SZN, Tyler Wade season. <laughs> We're <Yes>. here. <laughs> Anywho, hopefully we'll get some more good news on that front soon. And no one else ends up on the COVID list because I still fear for that every day. I'm scarred. <laughs> no. All right. Well, and I think we are a bit overdue for an ad break. So we'll take that and we'll be right back. Woo. And we're back. So should we go ahead and uh, meet a baby bomber? We can, but just really quickly before we do, I'm just going to give a quick update to what I know, what all the listeners want to know is the baseball reference update. Ah, good. The Yankees have been playing so well that the baseball reference update this week is kind of boring. There's really not much to talk about there. So we're just going to hope that this actually continues and steadies. But the two quick updates I will give are that 
Giancarlo Stanton is uh, up to number six on the team, which is good. It's kind of I think that's the highest he's been all year. And Corey Kluber's still on there, but he's been dropped down to the nine spot. Oh, so man. there we go. There are, is our big update for the week. You know, he's going to have to fight as well back into the rotation to hope accumulate some war again. You know, that's his main <laughs> focus. Yes, 100%. He's looking at that uh, that leaderboard like, damn it, I moved up to six. How do I go back to nine? Also, Nestor in a virtual tie with Corey Kluber at this point at 1.4 war. <laughs> Shout out. See, I didn't want to even talk about that because I'm still mad that Nestor's mustache doesn't have its own uh, baseball reference page. Yeah, come on. Let's at BREF get them on this. <laughs> At least get a, a mustache above replacement level. That yeah. Going. Mar. Mar. B Mar. F yes. Mar. Okay. But. So who are we meeting for you this week? So this week we're meeting Kyle Holder. And the only reason Kyle Holder came to my mind is because I'm sad since the Rays have signed uh, David Robertson to a major league contract. And Boo. he's going to be doing some minor league experiences in AAA to kind of get himself ready. And I kind of figured that that was going to happen after the Olympics because he looked good and for all the appearances for Team USA. So it made sense that somebody was going to sign him. I obviously was hoping that the Yankees would offer him that 30-year, $30 million a year deal. But, you know, they didn't do that because they're jerks. (laughs) But anyway, Kyle Holder, how is he relevant to David Robertson? Kyle Holder was the 30th pick in the 2015 draft, and uh, he was part of the compensation round. And the Yankees got that pick because of the first time they let David Robertson uh, leave in free agency when he signed with the White Sox initially before they traded for him and Todd Frazier and Tommy Canley in the 2017 season. But yeah, Kyle Holder was a uh, was an odd pick because the Yankees didn't have as that many Kyles that needed holding, so they could have just re-signed David Robertson. And I promise, oh, I won't promise, but that will probably be the last time I mention David Robertson while meeting Kyle Holder. Yeah, I don't think we can um, make any promises for you and your D-Rob mentions. No. <laughs> I, I'm going to try my best. That's the, pretty much the best I can do. Holder hasn't really done much throughout his minors career. He's been pretty o- underwhelming. 2019 was his like first and only like good or above average season where he had a 742 OPS for double A. But again, even then it wasn't really anything great or exciting. Nobody's really talked about him much. In 2020, the Yankees left him uh, unprotected and eligible. He was eligible for the rule five draft, but the Yankees left him unprotected where he was selected by the Phillies and then traded to the Reds. But since the rule five draft uh, rules were still in effect or whatever, if they weren't going to keep him on the roster, they had to you know, offer him back to the Yankees or offer the money or whatever. But eventually he returned to the Yankees. This year he's been with AAA. He's had 151 plate appearances for AAA, batting 219, 326, 278. So his OPS is barely over 600. He's had no homers. And this year would have been like the best year for him to kind of see if he there was anything to him or his career. Because with all the infield injuries the Yankees have had, all the shuffling they've had to do with COVID and actual injuries and so on and so forth, if they, he had any sort of like prospect pedigree in the system or anything like that, he probably would have gotten a look at some point. But just the fact that they haven't even mentioned his name just kind of goes to show you, you know, he hasn't really done much and they probably don't see him as any part of the future. And he's also like 27 years old too. So yeah, Kyle Holder, you're there, I guess. Congrats. That Andrew Velasquez opportunity could have been his if he had, you know, even remotely hit this season right you know that this was always the mark on him even when he was drafted he was good fielding shortstop honestly was considered maybe the best defensive shortstop in the draft that year but he just can't hit at all and that's gonna hold you back maybe he'll move on from the organization and get some opportunity 
to break through in the majors with like the Orioles or I don't know, the Tigers or something like that, <laughs> but it's not going to happen here. And he's older than Tyler Wade at this point as well. So sorry, dude. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Andrew Velasquez had been very underwhelming in his career so far up until this year, but in AAA, he was at least doing something where when the Yankees had to make that decision, they, Velasquez made it an easy one, or I guess so did Holder by just not doing anything. Easy decision. Well, you have literally not homered. So <laughs> and Velasquez was hitting in AAA. So he was, yeah. Yeah. But and plus with Velasquez, you got the Bronx native narrative that, you know, we need to hear every time. Yeah. Man, meanwhile, <laughs> Kyle Holder is just there to hold Kyle's and there are no Kyle's to hold. So sorry. Only once he's in the majors is Higashioka, but he's holding oh, yeah, I his guess own. He, I guess he could hold him, but that's like not a really good use of resources. <laughs> only one, only holding one Kyle, you know? Yeah, come on. You got to have multiple Kyles if you're going to be a Kyle holder. <laughs> yeah, get out of here. <laughs> that's that's kind of all I can say about Kyle Holder without just ranting about David Robertson again. Oh, I missed David Robertson. I knew you would say David <laughs> Robertson's name again. It was inevitable. I had to. Rules is rules. All right, but, well, for Miami to Baby Bomber, we're going to go down to Hudson Valley and meet Isaiah Pasteur. He is a uh, Maryland-born-and-raised kid. He graduated from Winters Mill High School in Westminster, Maryland. He had 483 there and was actually a two-way player. He pitched to a 2.29 ERA and led the county in strikeouts, so good for him. He also played on some Orioles-sponsored showcase team called the Oriolanders, which is just really funny. That's awesome. <laughs> really funny to see in text. Oriolanders. He also played at one point for this collegiate woodbat team called the Baltimore Dodgers, which kind of is breaking my brain. So <laughs> I just yeah, right. enjoy these teams that he was on. But he began his collegiate career at uh, Indiana. But after associate production, he transferred to George Washington University in D.C. He hit 331, 398, 589 as a senior in 2018. He led this conference in slugging. And then he was listed 436th overall in the Baseball America Top 500 draft rankings. So the Yankees took a shot on Pasteur in the 13th round of the 2018 draft. He was announced as a pitcher, but he's only played the outfield of the minors. He got us to a good start in rookie ball. But then in 2019, he struggled with poor numbers in 50 games between Staten Island and Charleston. And unfortunately, 2021 hasn't been that much better with Hudson Valley at high A. He's hit just 159, 267, 246 with a 48 WRC plus in 43 games. So not what you want. Not what you want. At age 25, honestly, this could probably be it for him. And sadly, we might not be able to make any bad milk pasteurization puns for him unless he makes it into the majors as a coach. So, alas. Wow, we've had two very depressing Mita Baby Bombers this week. Yeah, well, hey, I, w- I do have one fun thing to say about him, which is that he shared a very funny uh, Jessica Jones meme with Jessica Jones and the Purple Man. And it was captioned, billionaires worldwide and then the growing awareness that you can cyber bully them <laughs> so all right fine fine <laughs> well, isaiah i guess we well, get this yeah so uh welcome to the resistance isaiah pasture i guess <laughs> hey you didn't mention that with the uh baltimore dodgers in 2016 he pitched and had a 0.00 era that's because it was only one game in two innings but shh. hey he did the job you know <laughs> It's like the opposite of Daniel Camarena hitting a grand slam, right? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Blame the uh, random name generator for this week for Isaiah Pasteur. Sorry, guys. But and he's... blame the Rays for mine this week. Yeah. Or the Yankees more appropriately because they had every chance in the world. Yeah, but you're not bitter. Right. You're not bitter. Enough. No, not at all. What, what, what made you think that? No. 
All right. Let's uh let's lift our spirits by moving on to the Yankee and Mitre of the week. Woo. All right. All right. I think you've already yeah, sort of spoiled it, but who's your Yankee of the week? Yeah, I was gonna say I, I I generally go first anyway, but I'll go first just because I already mentioned it. Since I'll never be able to give him this award again, and once again, you are welcome to prove me wrong. Tyler Wade is my Yankee of the week. Amazing. Since we last recorded, since August 9th, Tyler Wade has hit 417, 481, 500 for good for like a 178 WRC plus. Plus, he has five stolen bases. Every time I'm watching a game, this guy's just on base. And I, like I said, before this year, I think uh, Josh had made this comment once that he's pathologically uh, opposed to getting on base. He's just getting on base now. He's just making up for all of his uh, time spent off the bases. And uh, yeah, Tyler Wade. Keep on keeping on, I guess. Or yeah, at least until Glaber and Geo come back. But I'm I have not been frustrated with you of late, which is new. I'm not sure I like this feeling, but I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you know what? Maybe I should try getting on base. I'll give this give this a shot. Yeah, I mean, before this week or whatever, the nicest thing I ever had to say about him was that he was the second most attractive Yankee on the team, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Behind Glaber Torres, of course, just in case anybody's wonder, wondering who, who who would be the number one spot. Yeah, well, it, Tyler Wade is basically like a mere Jacoby Ellsbury clone. So, you know. Right. Did he also have, he also had a catcher's interference, I think, at this point. And I think I made that comment. He did. He really is, he really is an Ellsbury light. <laughs> yeah. By the way, we have uh, more breaking news. Aroldis Chapman is going to be activated today. So there you go. Oh, there we go. <laughs> and I know the uh, the comment section will be very torn up about Jonathan Davis going away. But, you know. He was fine. He was just a defensive replacement. And he, he made some nice catches, so kudos. Is he just being DFA'd, I'm assuming? No, they just optioned him. Oh, I didn't because Toronto designated him, right? So I thought I didn't I didn't know if he had options left or not. Yeah, he did. All right. Well, my Yankee of the week is not Jonathan Davis or Brody Kerner. Um, <laughs> Would have been I'm, awkward if it was. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, well, <laughs> give Yankee of the week to Brody Kerner for just hanging out, you know, having a good time. <laughs> hey, he collected a major league paycheck, I guess. Hey, he did. But <laughs> anyway, my Yankee of the Week is Aaron Judge. Very straightforward here. <laughs> he hit Checks out. He hit 394, 475, 727 with three homers since last Monday. So that makes it very easy to give him Yankee of the Week. He's played a big role in some in these wins and he's he kept the Yankees in that field of dreams game with two with two homers. So kudos on that. Yeah. If Tyler Wade hadn't just come out of nowhere, my Yankee of the Week was just gonna be the big boys between him, Stanton, and Gallo, who've all had very good weeks. Yeah. Just big, loud, just baseball-destroying homers, which are always fun. I will say that um, if you had pivoted and done judge for Yankee of the Week, I was going to pick Wandy Peralta for my Yankee of the Week because you know, I'll, give him an honorable, <laughs> I'll give him an honorable mention here because six scoreless innings across five games with two saves and a win last night. So, hey, that's even a smidge better than Lewiska and Green's last week's, which they participated in the blown save fest against the Royals. So Wandy Peralta got the job done. You know, and a few other opportunities too. Cleaned up after Luis Heal. So kudos. Yeah, it- I think I read something where like Wandy Peralta hasn't given up a run in the whole month of August over like seven appearances and almost nine innings or something like that, which is just, you know, pretty good. You know, you know who can't do that? Mike Talkman. No, Mike Talkman's <laughs> just hanging out at AAA with the Giants. Yeah, because uh, even though he, he saved the season for them, he, they didn't even want him. <laughs> yeah. Really quickly, just to kind of go back to Wandy Peralta. So he gave up one run in the month of August, but it was an, it was an unearned run. So he's given up no earned run this month. That's what it was. There you go. That may have been um, in the extra inning game against the Royals, because I think he did give up one run, but it was like the inherited runner or the right. um, 
the ghost man, whatever you want to call him. Yeah, the zombie runner, ghost runner, Manfred man, yeah. whatever you want to call him. The the dumb guy. <laughs> <laughs> he allowed the dumb guy to score. I want this to make its way into parlance. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> David Cohn, we know you listen. <laughs> Put it in. I'm gonna re- I'm gonna run into effectively wild and get those guys to. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I know you like your terms. How about just dumb guy? <laughs> <laughs> he allowed three dumb guys to score. Okay. The unearned run was during that uh the extra innings game against the Royals <laughs> in the eleventh inning. Yeah. All right, we've put it off long enough. Who's your Mitre of the week? My Mitre of the week is gonna, just going to be Clint Frazier's body. Like, yeah. nothing to do with Clint Frazier himself, but, man, it's just depressing and, like, really just such a bummer for the, for him. Like, I just wish him well, nothing but the best, and I wish that he could get, like, a body transplant to a more reliable corpse, but, hey, yeah. until then, until we know more or anything like that, it's just, like I said, the baseball is not important right now. I just hope he kind of can physically get to, like, a, just a better point. Yeah, it's a it's a vision, drag. Is, vision and the concussion issues just got to be a scary thing. Like I can't say I'm speaking from experience, but like it just terrifies me to even think about it. So I can't imagine what he's going through. Right. All right. My mutual of the week. I thought about giving it to um, Zach Britton because of the two blown saves, and honestly, maybe should have been three if Albert Abreu didn't bail him out in the one game. But uh, I'm going to give it to Kyle Higashioka because 083, 179, 208. It's just really unfortunate to look at. <laughs> and that's not even the worst part about his week. <laughs> no, please elaborate. It, it, during the Royal Series, like you, and just, you've just seen runners just run all over him. He's, yeah. mis- he's mis- launching balls into center field when he's trying to catch the runner on second. Like, Kyle Higashina, you have one job. It's defense. Literally, yeah. nobody's expecting you to hit anything. So whatever you do is just, okay, cool. But catch the ball hold the ball and when you throw the ball throw it to the right place <laughs> yeah that was that was rough but honestly i should uh, i gotta give it co mitre of the week for higgy and brand just because i'm thinking back and those blown saves are just rough <laughs> yeah the only thing about britain i will say that i did appreciate was that he came out and said like yeah don't give me those innings right now <laughs> yeah and then and then boone gave him the inning <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, then that's on Boone, but whatever. But like, at least, at least Britain's acknowledging, like, hey, I'm not right, and I'm hurting the team, which is not always easy for somebody to come out and say, like, you know, usually you'll hear, like, no, I believe I can do it, just uh, I, I can do it, just gotta come back out and start up tomorrow. Like, I think that the health, not the healthy, but the responsible thing was to be like, hey, I'm not right right now, and I'm hurting the team. Um, I shouldn't be getting those opportunities, and there are other people who should be, and rightly, rightfully so. I mean, you. It's not like they have a team that doesn't have Loisica Green, who's kind of had his own issues. Apparently, Wandy Peralta, star reliever now. Yeah, Albert Abreu, sudden relief Albert phase. Abreu's been, I was just about, literally just about to mention him. He's been great too. So also, he's also very close to potentially breaking, apparently, the uh, Major League Baseball option and return to minors record. I think I'm sure he's was... thrilled about that. <laughs> According to the Effectively Wild that came out after the Field of Dreams game, I believe it was, he's been optioned and returned 19 times. And the unofficial record for uh, that happening to one player in a season is 22. So he's there. He's close. Yeah, he's close. Hopefully he'll be able to stick around, though. But I do know that it's it's getting really tight in the bullpen now. Like, they had to option Stephen Ridings as a, as a COVID replacement. I feel like he may end up coming back in September or something like that, or maybe even sooner. But we'll see. All right, so let's wrap this up. We're running long this week, but 
you can follow us on Twitter at Pinstripe Alley. You can follow me on Twitter at Merns PSA. And I believe that we, we can find you on Twitter at Modern West, which is apparently Kevin Costner's Twitter handle. Don't ask me why. <laughs> well, because it's, uh, and I've done research into this because as soon as you mentioned, I started looking up what his actual Twitter handle is. But apparently Kevin Costner in Modern West is his band. Um, <laughs> so yeah, please, uh, <laughs> please at me at Modern West and ask if I have more than one pair of clothes that I brought to Iowa. <laughs> Of course, Kevin Costner is a band at this point. Why wouldn't he? <laughs> Why not, right? Yeah. Oh, man. His his Twitter picture looks like he's trying to do a bad impression of um, Jeff Bridges. He does, actually. Yeah. But Kevin Costner and Modern West is an American country rock band founded and fronted by actor Kevin Costner. He began a worldwide tour with the band in October 2007, which included shows in Istanbul and Rome. Great. There you go. There's Kevin Costner and Modern West, courtesy of Wikipedia. <laughs> At Modern West to, uh, you know, get to Shaw because, you know, yes. we'll listen. Yes. Okay. So that'll do it for us. See, hope the Yankees keep up their winning ways and stay at, at the front of the wildcard chase. But till next week, farewell. See you.